Welcome to the 55th episode of Dilika, a podcast between two friends about the latest in politics, society, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Tangkilisan. And I'm Sudian Lee. And this week, we're going to uh, do a little bit of a lighter topic. We're going to talk about crazy rich Asians today. In this week's episode, you're going to hear Stephanie and I perhaps have our quote-unquote most different opinions about the topic. So there's that. We talk about crazy rich Asians in terms of what it means for Asians and Asian Americans to be represented. Mm-hmm. We talk about the limitations of the movie as being like this groundbreaking thing that we that a lot of people hype it up to be. We're talking about how important it is for us to see, some, at least for me, to see how um, there are a lot of issues that I struggle with that I think is not understandable to people who are not from my culture, um, how you present yourself as a woman, and you know, being kind of stuck in this like enjoying your life abroad, but also like needing to come home. And that's something that I personally really enjoyed in Crazy Rich Agents. Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of the spirit of our conversation is grounded on this idea of we shouldn't make perfect the enemy of good. So without further ado, Here's to it! Before we begin this week's episode, our listeners, as you might have noticed, there was two uploads of last week's episode under different names, uh, and we kind of want to talk a little bit about what happened there. Yeah. In the original upload, we talked about the topic of um, the presidential VP choices, and we used some fairly harsh and strong language throughout. And uh, we've gotten some feedback from uh, various people about how. That kind of language is perhaps offensive to general Indonesian sensibilities. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, they felt offended by the language and, and that sort of like blocked them in, in understanding the conversation we want to have. We apologize if you feel offended. And so in the, in the spirit of keeping the conversation going, we decided to take out all the profanity, take out all the strong language and re-upload it um, so that people can still listen to it and still know what we're talking about we didn't really change any of the content we just cleaned it up a little bit mm-hmm. and made it pg ish as pg as ish. our stuff can be so all right since that was a really heavy topic we're gonna do a little something pop culture today uh we're gonna talk about crazy rich agents which i've watched but sweden has not uh yes yeah, so i'm sure everybody who listens to this podcast must know about crazy rich asians because it seems like it's a movie that will be in the radar of our listeners but in case you don't know it's about crazy rich asians especially in southeast asia <laughs> so the story is it's about rachel who is a nyu behavioral economics professor who dates a surprisingly very rich another professor from singapore yeah uh, and then she goes to singapore to meet his family and apparently they are crazy rich and hijinks ensues Rach, we've been dating for over a year now, and I think it's about time people met my beautiful girlfriend. What about us taking an adventure east? Like Queens? Singapore, Colin's wedding. Don't you want to be my family? 
I hardly know anything about them. Every time I bring them up, it changes the subject. Maybe his parents are poor and he has to send them money. Let's take a bag and get you checked into first class. Can't afford this. So your family is rich. We're comfortable. That is exactly what a super rich person would say. I want money. One point two million. That's what I want. The Nick you're dating is Nick Young. Yeah, you guys know them or something? Hell's yeah. They're just the biggest developers in all of Singapore. That's what I Damn, Rachel. It's like the Asian Bachelor. These people aren't just rich. They're crazy rich. Now you really should have told me that you're like Prince William of Asia. That's ridiculous. Much more of a Harry. <laughs> Mom, this is Rachel Chu. She just thinks you're some like unrefined banana. No, no, no. Uh, those are a few fingers. Yellow on the outside, or white on the inside. Do some crazy! I chose to raise a family. For me, it was a privilege. But for you, you may think it's old fashioned. Don't you want Nick to be happy? I know you're not what Nick needs. She's like trying to play a game of chicken with me, thinking I'm gonna swerve like a chicken. But you can't swerve. You gonna roll up and be like, bok bok, bitch. Okay, maybe like not as aggressive. There's a lot of buzz about it because it's the first all Asian cast movie made in Hollywood since the Joy Luck Club. Um, let's ignore the fact that Slumdog Millionaire exists for that moment. Mm-hmm. So I guess the first um, primarily East and Southeast Asian actors and actresses. Um, yeah, and it's adapted from a book called Crazy Rich Asians that was released by Kevin Kwan, who's from Singapore. And in the United States, where we're both at right now, this this movie has caught a lot of buzz, a lot of attention, and a lot of sort of like mm-hmm. positive accolades because, as you said, it's the first majorly Asian cast and crew in terms of the director, mm-hmm. John Chu. And obviously, it's been a long time since. I think the Joy Luck Club was like, what? In the 80s or something? In, God, it's not even in the 2000s. No. Oh, Joy Luck Club is in 93. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, so there's been a lot of stories in Hollywood about this this movie and the positive steps it's taken in terms of increasing Asian representation in the cinema. But obviously, it is a very a particular kind of Asian representation, right? Yeah. One thing I do want to note is that the history of how this movie was made is an interesting one, in my opinion, because Kevin Kwan, the writer of the book that this movie is based off, published that book, Crazy Rich Asians, in 2013. And shortly afterwards, there has been conversations about turning it into a movie. But for the longest time, a lot of the producers involved could not find the right cast in order to make it an all-Asian cast. And they actually had to open widen the net and really reach out to uh, actors in Asia and not just in Hollywood and in the United States. And that's how they got Henry Golding, who plays the lead character, because he's actually a uh, British Malay travel host that lives in Singapore. I mean, he's dashing and charming and all of that, but he seems like he is new to acting. Mm -hmm. And obviously you've got, you know, Michelle Yeoh, who anybody who lives in Southeast Asia has probably seen a movie she's in. She's sort of like the Asian Meryl Streep. Uh, she's in so many different movies, including Crouching Tiger and Dragon. And then the lead is Constance Wu from Fresh Off the Boat. And it's fascinating to me because we're just going to dive right into it, right? It purports to be an, a landmark movie in 2018 that opens up representation for Asian Americans. And in a way, they also kind of hinted at Asians. But it's a very particularly narrow strand of Asians, in my opinion. I think you took a principled stance not to watch it, right? So what what can you explain about why you did that? Yeah, so 
two reasons actually why I don't want to watch it. Even though I am a huge fan of Constance Wu, like I love her to bits, I love Fresh Off the Boat, and I love sort of like her activism and her work outside of the screen. The number one stance is that I'm not actually that interested in the plot of the story. It seems very like generically rom-com. So, so that's one. Uh, but obviously, if if it behooves progress in the community for me to watch it, then I would watch it. Mm-hmm. But my problem with Crazy Rich Asians is that one, it represents a very small slice of Asian American. That yeah. is mostly um, Asian Americans of Chinese descent. And clearly, Asia is much more than about China. And that has been a stereotype that's been purported throughout history, right? That Asia is only China. And I feel like this kind of... It reinforces that stereotype rather than challenges it. Um, Secondly, in being set in Singapore, uh, you would think that there will be more diversity in terms of the Asians and Southeast Asians involved in the storytelling. But in fact, you know, part of the process of making the movie is that, you know, they've casted Singaporean actors, but they've told them to tone down their Singlish. And most of the Singaporean actors are, you know, it's a, it, it's not nearly as diverse representation of Singapore as I think it should be. You know, there's not that many uh, Malay actors, Tamil actors, you know, Indian actors. So it, it's still predominantly Chinese. Yeah. And lastly, you know, it perpetuates the stereotype of Asians being crazy rich. And I, I, I just think like for a movie to call itself out and wanting to represent um, the Asian community in on the big screen is this the right story to do that yeah i don't know i feel i feel very uh, troubled by it and i just don't think i can in good conscience watch it because of all those complaints knowing full well all the good that it brings because i have a lot of friends a lot of asian american friends who are in the entertainment industry that are like so excited that this movie exists and has done so well you know it's number one in the states for the third week running so it's amazing and I do sort of like I want it to do well but I can't I can't endorse it without acknowledging all the problems I have with it so that's fair I just also think that like I totally 100% agree with your criticisms and I think they're all completely valid and completely accurate there is a problem with um, East Asians only thinking that other East Asians are Asians and then they don't care as much about um, other minorities but Mm -hmm. I think the problem is that with that is like there's kind of this idea that like this is the greatest asian representation thing ever but like it's not quite that far and i think it is somewhat weird to like claim it as such right in a way yeah uh however i do think because of the very white um media entertainment landscape that we do have i think it's okay to occasionally celebrate the wins that are not ideal and i think it is something to me that is refreshing because I think for us it's very common to like think about crazy rich Asian people and crazy rich Asian life because that was the socioeconomic status that we grew in but I think for a lot of Americans and Americans who would watch crazy rich Asians in America they don't know that such a world exists and Mm -hmm. they think of Asians as like you know they're people who clean their laundry and people who are uh, poor or people who are you know not necessarily exalted in society so I think it's also really important to show that there is such a life in in Asia that is like I think that's why I was really moved by the scene where the main character's family and mom Michelle Yeoh's character went to a hotel you know raining and then uh, they like couldn't get a hotel room even though they paid for it and um, they, they just like downright bought the hotel yeah, I heard about that. there's something like 
cathartic to be like respected and albeit because of money right um because we don't always have that respect mm-hmm. and we are seen as this diligent hard-working group of people in lower middle class uh, status and i think that's i think it's important to show the world that there's all kinds of asians out there um and and i i see that joy in watching that movie of like people being tired of being looked down upon and even though for example if we're not crazy rich you can kind of like hey those crazy rich asians did make it and they can show the rest of the people that you need to respect us regardless of not money or no money right and i also think there's something to be said about I think the other comparison was Slumdog Millionaire, which I think is a wonderful, beautiful movie, which I really loved. And I think that's a wonderful Asian movie, which I think was directed by a white man, though. Yeah, so Danny Boyle. There's that. Yeah. Um, but I think there's something to be said about portraying Asia as not slums, you know? Yeah. That there's a big part of Asia that's very developed, like very organized. And like, like I just also am more tired about like, the way Asia is perceived as developing countries with not their shit together. Like perennially developing. I'm tired of that narrative as well. Like any kind of movie set in Asia was like the war, the Vietnam War. Or, like, or that it's exotic, right? Or it's exoticized, right? So this f- feels to me like a movie that reclaims Asia by Asians in a limited slice of its scale. But like, I think that should be a start and not an end towards the way Asians are perceived. Like, yeah, there's so much. There, I think it is problematic, like, that there's not more Southeast Asian or um, South Asians represented in this world. Mm-hmm. And um, I totally agree with that. But I think also oftentimes movies like Crazy Rich Asians, because there are so few out there, it's almost like it needs to be the perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there's like a really tall order for people to think that, you know, like there's so much demanded out of that singular movie, mm-hmm. which, for example, I think like Black Panther did an outstanding job, like, you know, addressing, you know, actually meeting the demands, meeting those demands. But I think those demands shouldn't always be required of all movies made by minorities and all actors and all directors because <laughs> that's um, a big demand. That's that's a big demand that shouldn't like we see a white Hollywood movies all the time that are so mediocre and so problematic in so many ways and they have so many tries and so many attempts, right? Yeah. The problem I think is that like there's so few options that I think it makes sense to like make something that is rom com and fun for once in a while, you know? Yeah. By that I think hopefully it'll allow more complex narratives and more diverse options in the space for other Asian directors who can handle that nuance with stories that is about that nuance to to make that movie and get greenlit for those movies. Mm-hmm. But I think it's quite unfair to demand that. Um, I think Black Panther is the, the exception to the rule of being able to do that. Mm-hmm. And and I, like, I think Crazy Rich Asians did a really good job about having really complex women who are fascinating and intelligent and uh, like... For Crazy Rich Asians, I think all the stars are all the women. Mm-hmm. They had really strong characters who who are deep and are multi-layered, and all the men are just like pretty eye candy or literally like, cast to be pretty eye candy. Or <laughs> maybe one like two-dimensional, like the friend is cool. Um, but the story is a female story. Yeah, it's a female story with men as the side characters, which I thought was which really itself is already yeah, which itself I think isn't talked about enough about how I think I think. 
I also really identify with the fact that as an Asian woman, there's so many complications to how you stand and how you deal with the world and how you deal in society, like Mm -hmm. how you can be respectful to, you know, mother-in-laws and to your friends. And and I think that's something they navigated really well and really beautifully. I think the main story for me in Crazy Rich Asians was the relationship between Rachel and Michelle Yeoh, the the Mm mother-in-law. I think that's the strongest point, you know? But I think a lot of non-Asian women do not understand the complexity and pressures that comes with being subservient enough and that you need to dedicate yourself to the family and I, I really appreciate that being unfolded so I think mm-hmm. I can talk to maybe more more of my friends who are not Asian to understand like there's so many things I think like for me for example like I've had to deal with ex-boyfriends mothers who expected a lot from me and had to make sure that I look good all the time when I see her or like have to be res- paying respectful but also play like that I'm smart and like but not too that, smart. Like, I would be, but not too smart. The <laughs> challenging and all yeah. this different stuff. And I also really identified with um, the main character, the guy's what is guy? The main guy's name. Nick. So unmemorable. To Nick. Nick. Nick yeah, Young. Nick, so unmemorable. Nick Young. Yeah. Like the fact that he likes his life in New York, and but his home is in Singapore, and he has to come back for his family. And that's some. That's a struggle. I think a lot of us kids who grew up in you know a particular place go to new york and like their life there and have to struggle with the kind of life you want to live that makes you happy versus your obligations to your family that's something i'm still wrestling with about and i think it's nice to have those kind of issues like be brought out Mm I think it was interesting that you talked about, you know, did you make the comparison with Black Panther, which I think we can all agree is such an amazing movie for representation and is it's sort of like kind of like the gold standard because it ticked all the boxes. Yeah. But it started me thinking, you know, Black Panther didn't get to where it is without other movies sort of like paving the way slowly, right? Mm-hmm. Just in terms of even the people involved. You know, people like Michael B. Jordan, who made his name, I think, in uh, Fruitvale Station. The director, Ryan Coogler. So it, it did got me thinking, like, even though Black Panther is, is the gold standard, it did not get there without other steps along the way. And we can't necessarily discredit those movies just because they didn't get to the point that Black Panther got. Yeah. And it got me thinking, like, maybe people were putting Crazy Rich Asians on the same level without recognizing, oh, there hasn't been those movies or those stories or those little steps. Yeah. I think they put crazy high standards on Crazy Rich Asians. To be fair, though, in my opinion, I think the I think the people involved in making that movie did want to go out there and be like, we want to make sure people know that we are striving for that. Which... It's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, you aim for that gold standard knowing that you might fail, but at least you're pushing it forwards. Yeah. I will say, though, hearing all of your responses, and I do agree, and I, I think it is worth noting that celebrating a diverse uh, story about Asians in such a way is important. I do feel it is still a little bit too American-centric, even though it's by Asian-Americans. Yeah. I think 
the approach to telling Asian stories is still very much sort of like that wide-eyed kind of feel. Yeah. In in terms of how it's presented, and I get it because you are trying to yes, you are trying to get these to Asian audiences, but you are the bigger picture sort of like making sure everybody can everybody can like an Asian movie, right? That's one of the things that Black Panther was lauded for. That's like it's a proof it's a proof point to studios that audiences of all kinds want a majority black movie. Yeah. And I think they're trying to do the same thing with Crazy Rich Asians, that like a majority Asian story can make the money, which is unfortunately that's that's still the barometer in which these things get made, right? That it needs to be successful financially. Yeah. One thing that I really appreciate also in Crazy Rich Asians is the portrayal of Asian men. I think in Hollywood movies, the Asian man is usually like kind of the eunuch character who's there for like laughs that are not like the leading man. I mean, um, Ken Jeong in like The Hangover, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and Ken Jeong who's I, in this I movie. I really uh, appreciated the man eye candy that Crazy Rich Asians had. <laughs> the Asian man eye candy. Asian man eye candy. Like... I was watching with other non-Asians and my white roommates were like, oh my God, <laughs> Woo, those men, you know, and it's like really nice to see. I think I, I just really feel sometimes like Asian men are emasculated in Hollywood movies and I really am glad to see Asian men being like the hero and the celebrated people who are like spoon worthy because like I think a lot of some Asian men I know always has this idea that they are less than white men in, in some in the dating marketplace. There's some inferiority complex. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know, it, it makes me sad too because it's like there are a lot of beautiful Asian men out there and you are all special and wonderful in your own way. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's Stephanie's announcement. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know that Henry Golding is in a movie with Blake Lively. Oh, and Anna okay. Kendrick. As- I I do have this thing where like it kind of bothers me that Henry Golding was the leading man because he's like half Asian, half white. Uh, so this is this but it's is, because he speaks good English, right? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of Asians who speak good English. It just yeah. always bothers me when like there's Asian or actors and actresses in like leading roles that it's like half Asian or you know, which I think like that's totally valid they're also asians but it's like mm-hmm. i think I, it's also coming from a place where most of the indonesian actresses who are seen as the most beautiful indonesian women are half white right and like what's it it's almost like you're only a beautiful asian woman if you're half white kind of like half. it's an, an implicit like, bias this, right? racial bias and it's like what does that say you know like i think it kind of says also still closer to European beauty standards because they're half European, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and that still kind of bothers me. It's something I have complicated feelings about. It's like, I'm not saying that they're not Asian, but it's also like, um, there is something to be said about the Asian beauty standards. You're beautiful when you are half white. It's also like really problematic, you know? Especially if the women around are, you know, especially like people like Rachel, Constance Wu's character is not half at all. And the mother is not half. Like, where is that half coming from? The dad? That's clearly not a thing. That's clearly not going to be part of it. You know, like, okay. Okay, whatever. Um, anyway, Crazy Rich Asians, I'd still recommend watching it, um, despite all of the issues that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good step forward. It's essentially my take on things. I mean, after having this conversation with Stephanie, I will, I will uh, carefully also agree and say that people should watch it. I will just add from my perspective, you should watch it with 
eyes open and mind open and recognize it for all its successes and its flaws. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id. Music credits to John Dealey and, of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com. Or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and on Twitter. Please follow us on these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at DiologicaPod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Steph Tank. That's S-T-E-P-H-T-A-N-G-K. Thank you again, and see you guys next time. Bye!